0: Today's stories are from malicious compliance where people conform to the letter but not the spirits of a request. Don't forget to subscribe with notifications on and drop a thumbs up. Our landlord advertises all of our company's equipment for sale to our competitors. Best follow our eviction to the letter. I work for a leisure company. Think soft play, indoor soccer, laser tag. Can't be specific. Prior to lockdown, managers and the big bosses were negotiating the renewal of the lease on one of our parks. Things were going smoothly. However, the landlords were difficult to contact. Then 2020 made everything hit the fan. All of our sites were closed and everything was thrown to a mess. Negotiations began to slip down the priority list. Nobody thought the landlord would push an eviction for an expired lease during this period, especially with it still getting rent despite the site's closure and the closure of every business and restaurant in the immediate area. We were wrong. A few days ago, we received a letter saying we had seven days to leave the premises and take everything with us. We are reminded that anything left in the building after seven days will become the landlord's property. That line is very important. Now, a lot of construction goes into installing our equipment into a new building, which makes emptying one even harder. At a lockdown with no staff and most businesses shut, it meant that saving much of our assets would prove to be extremely difficult. To lose a profitable site and all of its assets is definitely a blow to our company, but here is where it gets worse. A few days after our seven day eviction, we find out that the landlord has been advertising our park to our competitors, but he isn't just offering the building. He's offering all of our stuff pre-installed, ready to go, just needs rebranding. The landlord has evicted us from the property in an attempt to increase rent and make a solid profit from our equipment installed because he thinks we won't be able to empty the park. We were furious. And here is where the malicious compliance came in. We were told we had seven days to move everything we owned out of the property, so that's what we did. Local businesses from all around offered up free space to store our things. A few people came back out of Lockdown, and they all spent the rest of the week removing, selling, or destroying everything that was related to us. We didn't even leave light fittings. In every other site vacation we have seen, we always end up leaving thousands of dollars worth of disco lights in the ceilings because they're too hard to get. We leave at most the construction in, as well as things like the bars and kitchens that all stay intact, recognizable as what they once were, but not this building. We ripped up the flooring we installed poured down the walls that were not a part of the original structure, wooden walls to divide up the space, ripped apart our manager's offices, and removed all the artwork and lockers. The landlord now has every new deal he had been making dead in the water. A large renovation bill to install new flooring, etc. Or a company will be willing to do it themselves like we were. Lockdown has been extended another four weeks so he has at least another four weeks without rent. We were paying and he won't have any potential buyers. The silver lining is that the assets we got out of the site, the fridges, the TVs, equipment, food, tables have all been sold. And the lack of rent and additional income has helped the business and paid staff wages. While this is mass scale malicious compliance, but not really offensively, it's more of a defensive way because the landlord was trying to take advantage of the fact that he knew he was going to get more money by essentially stealing their stuff legally. But after this is all explained, there's actually an update to what happened next. We handed in the keys and it was probably the quickest handover we've ever had. The landlord clearly didn't want to make any kind of conversation and there was definitely an elephant in the room, but he definitely said nothing about the lack of equipment. Complications did arise when we went to get back various deposits, but he had no case to withhold deposits from us as the building itself was in excellent shape. We had conducted much of the maintenance work ourselves, so the building was in a significantly better condition than we found it. We also cleaned up 99% of the rubbish and dirt from our demolition crusade. Aid, so he couldn't bill us for cleaning. A very minor bit of pressing from our legal team meant that we received everything owed back in full. The building is still vacant as of yet, and we don't know of any potential buyers. At this moment in time, our company is still standing despite the pandemic closures and lack of business, and our staff are still employed and doing well. So it looks like the landlord actually did get to see that all the equipment was missing before they handed over the keys, but It's just so strange that he would try and force the victim out of there if they were paying their rent on the place despite not being able to be open. Maybe he knew that they could only do it for a very short amount of time and he was trying to swap them up faster in order to make more money by advertising all their equipment built in. But yeah, he obviously couldn't say anything if it's all their equipment and he thought it was impossible for them to just pull all their stuff out. And maybe he would have got away with it too if he was a little less greedy and didn't start advertising it publicly saying that it had all this equipment in there because it seems more likely that they would leave a significant portion of it there because a lot of that stuff you might not get a return on if you just rip it all out as opposed to just leaving it there. The wholesome part of this story is that a lot of the other local businesses came together to help out this business by storing their equipment and doing everything they did in order to get out of there fast enough. That's really cool to hear any people doing that for any people, especially in situations where you need help. Even if the landlord tried to change his mind and say, hey, you can stay, just keep paying. It's probably too late at this point because they already have all their stuff out and now they don't want to pay for the overhead when they can't even conduct business at the time this was written. But let me know what you guys think. What would you do in your malicious compliance plan? Get rid of my vacation. Have fun replacing me with my malicious compliance. I worked at a company that gave out exorbitant amounts of vacation. Anyone who worked there for 25 years received eight weeks of vacation and two weeks of personal time. This was a family-owned but rather large company. We ran three shifts totaling 250 plus people. Enter Jimmy. Jimmy was a gristled old man. He started at the company when he was just 20. Now he is 63 years old and gives absolutely no cares. Jimmy also knew how to make a specific part for our product, him and no one other higher up in the office. One day the plant owner comes out and announces he's selling to a corporation. He's older and ready to retire. He promises that there will be very little change and wishes us all well. The new company comes in and immediately goes after many of the great benefits we had. The first thing they do is cut everyone's max vacation down to four weeks and do completely away with personal time. Anyone who's maxed out had until December 31st of that year to use it up and they wouldn't pay it out. They then go into the office and clean house firing anyone who's close to retirement, including Jimmy's backup. But they also do away with one very important rule. You no longer have to get vacation approved. You can just call in and take it. Jimmy is pissed and they know it. They realize he's the only one in the building that can do his job now. So they hire a new kid for him to train. likely to permanently replace him. So Jimmy does what anyone would do. He calls in the first training day for the new hire and lets us know he's going to use all of his PTO at once and promptly takes 10 weeks off. We had a backstock of parts he had made so it wasn't too unnerving. But for 10 weeks Jimmy went and applied to other jobs, found one and started there. Fast forward 10 weeks, it's the day Jimmy's supposed to return. He doesn't. For two days they try calling him and even go to his house. He's nowhere to be found. Finally, on day three, he calls and resigns and they lose their minds. The parts he makes are specialized and patented by the original founder. You can't just hire someone off the street to make them. What eventually happened was they had to contract the original owner to come in and teach some new hires how to make them. And when he found out, what all they had done, it pissed him off. The last I heard, he charged them a seven-figure contract to teach them how to produce the parts, and they had to pony up or close down. The moral of the story is, don't mess with people's vacation time. And for some more context on what the thing is Jimmy was making, he was making an electronic control module that was sealed and stayed fixed in a poured unit made of a two-part epoxy. A lot of people were asking whether or not Jimmy missed out on the seven-figure contract, and the response to that was that Jimmy didn't exactly miss out on The seven figure contract and had zero chance to take one. He left, he said, forget him, and moved on. When they contacted the previous owner and explained the situation, it was basically a, you need my help, it'll cost $1 million type of conversation. This is yet another situation where just straight up greed ends up costing the company more than if they had just treated people the way they expect to be treated. And if the original founder who sold the company really wanted to make it his priority to make sure everyone was taken care of, maybe he could have put that into the sale agreement of the situation that they wouldn't change any of the vacation time or any of the other pieces that were vital to them. But I'm guessing if he did that, then he would probably make less money for himself. And the original founder here, even though it's not the point of the story, it kind of seems like he didn't really care what happened to them because his demand wasn't give everyone their vacation time back. It was give me a million dollars. The dumbest thing they did was firing Jimmy's backup. That doesn't even make sense. I don't know why they would do that in any circumstance, even if Jimmy was there and everything was going great. Maybe they thought that their paper thin veil of trying to get him to hire someone else would somehow not be figured out, even though it's the most obvious play possible that they're trying to replace him. The saddest part of this whole thing is that the people that were close to retirement got fired by the new ownership and nobody helped them. Jimmy left, got a great job, I'm assuming. The former owner came in made a million dollars for himself, but nobody cares that the rest of the people just got let go because they were close to retirement and they didn't want to pay the retirement. That part's just sad, but let me know what you guys would do down below in your own malicious compliance type of way. My manager forces me to get a doctor's note despite it being illegal to do so. The doctor writes him the most passive-aggressive note signing me off for two weeks instead of two days to teach him a lesson in malicious compliance. When I was in my early 20s, I worked at a supermarket. I should note I was a pretty reliable employee. I was never late. In fact, I often got in early and I rarely called in sick. At the time this happened, I had not called in sick for nine months and even then the manager had sent me home. I had been up all night swinging between burning hot and freezing cold so I was obviously feverish and I had been throwing up at both ends, shall we say. At one point about 2am I was on the toilet with my head in the sink utterly miserable. I must have passed out because the next thing I knew, I was lifting my head off the sink and it was 7am. I was due to start work at 12 that day but obviously that wasn't going to happen. So I called up the manager. Let's call the manager Steve. Steve was known for being a big jerk. He never believed anyone who called in sick except his best buds, usually other managers, but never lowly staff, and often called in sick himself. A lot of the time we knew it was because he was hungover and not actually sick. The conversation went like this. Me. Hey, Steve. I can't come in. I'm sick. Steve. With what? Me. I, I don't know. I think it might be the flu. I've been up all night sick and I have a fever. Steve. Don't be stupid. If you had the flu, you'd be completely knocked out. I need you in. Come in or you're fired. Me. I can't. I just told you. I can't stop vomiting. I passed out. Steve, growing more angry, either come in or bring a doctor's note or you're fired. In the UK, you are legally allowed to self-certify for five days. This means you can tell your employer that you are sick and you do not need a doctor's note. If you're sick for more than five days, then you do need a doctor's note. It is also illegal to demand a doctor's note during the self-certify period. I knew this, but I was terrified. This was during the recession. I couldn't afford to lose my job. So I got myself dressed, almost passed out trying to do so. Then I walked to the doctor's 25 minutes away. I end up sitting in the doctor's office for a little over an hour, which for a walk-in was pretty good. I get in to see the doctor and she is furious at me for coming in. You're not supposed to come to the doctor's when you have a cold or a flu and of course I knew I should be able to self-certify. She told me as such saying I shouldn't be here and I should have stayed at home. I then explained what happened with Steve and how he threatened to fire me over this and how I couldn't afford to lose my job. I was struggling as it was. My doctor turned her anger towards my manager. She asked if I got sick pay from the company and I said yes. She said, oh he wants a sick note does he? Okay I'll give him a sick note. Now my manager just wanted a note confirming I was sick but instead my doctor wrote something along the lines of this. O.P. has come to the surgery because you have insisted he come in in spite of the fact that this is illegal and all employees are allowed to self-certify. Do Due to being forced to make this unnecessary and highly dangerous trip when the patient is ill, having a fever of 39 degrees Celsius and almost passed out in the waiting room, I am signing my name off for two full weeks to recover. Had he been allowed to self-certify as is the law, they might have only needed a few days, but due to straining themselves, they now require two full weeks. They are not to be permitted to work until two weeks from today. The doctor said she would have signed me off longer, but this was the longest she could do without requiring further evidence. So basically, instead of just being off for a few days, I was now signed off for a full two weeks and I'd be paid for it. I went to my place of work, at which point one of the duty managers saw me and asked what the heck I was doing here, go home. I was obviously very unwell. I explained what happened. They agreed to help me downstairs to Steve's office and went with me inside. I handed Steve the note. He looked worried and tried to say, I wasn't being serious about firing you. Well, gee, when you angrily growled it down the phone, it sure sounded like you were were serious. The duty manager then declared that they were going to drive me home. It was clear Steve wanted to argue, but had the sense to know that he shouldn't. The duty manager then drove me home, made sure I was okay, then went back to work where they informed our union rep of what happened. Steve had a disciplinary hearing where he was given a severe reprimand and a warning. Steve tried to argue that he never said I'd be fired and that I was lying and just decided to go to the doctors, but the duty manager said they heard him admit to it when he said to me that he didn't really mean it. I felt better after a few days and enjoyed my two weeks off, fully paid. I enjoyed the nice weather we had. Meanwhile, Steve was forced to work overtime because we were short-staffed. So thanks to that doctor, instead of being off for a few days, I ended up getting a nice two-week paid vacation. And Steve was given a final warning, all because he insisted I get a doctor's note. I'm glad he was able to get a two-week paid vacation, but it kind of sucks he had to go through all of that in order to make this happen and not just get his two days off by letting his manager know that he didn't feel well. I mean, if he would have went into the store, they would have probably figured it out pretty quickly that he was not okay, especially if it was coming out of both ends like he described in the story. But even that might have infected people along the way, just the same way that they're afraid that they might infect the doctor and also why the duty manager was so worried when he showed up. If any of you guys have any stories about times you've been sick and had to call in for work, let me know down below malicious compliance or not. And also don't forget to subscribe to the channel with notifications turned on and drop a thumbs up.